Colossians 2, uh, verses 6 to 23. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised, with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind, and have lost connection with their head from the from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ through the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder what sticks in your head. As a child of the 90s, uh, there are many TV commercials that are still stuck in my head, and it's probably just it shows the time of my age as I still remember these ads, but I feel like they don't make the ads like they used to. Um, like this Macca's ad. Remember this Macca's ad? Where a dude, this dude, orders the whole Macca's menu in one breath. I'll have a Big Mac, quarter pound of Philadelphia. Again, I get these all in one place. Do you remember that ad? No one? Anyone? Okay. What about the Yellow Pages ad? Where the dude calls up and says, I've got a problem with my Google-mobile. G-O, G-G-O. Or the Morton ad. I'm Louis the Fly, I'm Louis the Fly, straight from rubbish tip to you. Man, I haven't seen them for years, but they're still stuck uh, in my head, rattling around. And for those who have exams on at the moment, I'm sure you're working hard to make stuff stick like mud in your head, not just for the exams, I'm sure, but for life. Uh, While you revise, 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 but maybe you need to come up with a jingle, just like these. Uh, like an ad that will get stuck in your head for life. But what about the Christian life? What helps you stick with Jesus and to remember him and to continue in him? Well, reading the Bible is certainly helpful for that. 
Uh, and memory verses are great too, where you commit God's word to your memory. And they're really helpful to help you go and have God's word rattling around your head at all times. And many years ago, when Emily and I, my wife, uh, ran a small uh, youth group, we encouraged uh, the kids to, to remember scripture. And one of the passages we got them uh, to, to stick, to, to commit to memory, uh, was verse 6 uh, in our scriptures. If you want to have a look uh, there, verses 6 and 7, where it says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk, to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You see, Paul tells his readers, uh, he tells us, to stick with Jesus and to continue in him. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord at the beginning, through the, the proclamation of the word of the gospel, like we saw last week in, in verse 28 of chapter 1, just as we received it, well, we are to continue in it. And as other translations have, to continue to, to walk, walk in him. Don't move on, but continue And so as they received, they heard the proclaimed word of salvation found in Christ, of of the forgiveness of sins. They are to continue to live life in line of that word. Not move on, but to stick with Jesus. And they can do it. That can be done by verse 7. Have a look there. Being rooted and built up in him. Now, to be like this shepherd's tree, that doesn't look like a very impressive tree. It's only... Uh, 10 metres tall, but its roots go down 70 metres below the ground. A massive, massive root system. It is so grounded to the earth that it will not be shaken. And it sucks up nutrients and, and water from deep below the ground. Or it's like a skyscraper. They're not built flat on the ground. They are dug, go, they go deep underground, like this Shanghai Tower. Uh, in China, they dug 86 meters below ground to start building the foundation. And then from the ground level up at 630 meters high, it is massive. But here's the really impressive thing about this building is that it can withstand earthquakes. Uh, with its deep roots, deep underground, it allows it to withstand massive tremors of an earthquake. And you see, us too. We are to be so grounded, so deeply rooted and built up in God's word, just like we received it at the start, that as we continue, we can withstand the the onslaught of the evil one and those that try to pry us away from Christ. And so we are to continue to live our lives in him. Also, verse 7, by being strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Don't move on from the scriptures. Don't move on from its teaching. Just like we were first taught from the Bible, we are to continue, continue in it because it strengthens us and and grows us in the faith. You see, we are strengthened by his word. And finally, verse 7 leads us to overflowing with thankfulness. We are to be overflowing, bursting at the seams with thankfulness. It's it's an overflowing in thankfulness in terms of what God has done for us in his mercy and goodness and love towards us. And it begs the question for us today. 
What's our natural tendency? Are we ever thankful regardless of what is happening around us? Or is our natural way to complain, become bitter, conceited or, or even boastful? What do we naturally do? Well, here we're encouraged to be overflowing in thankfulness. Just as you received Christ Jesus Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And by doing that, it helps us to stick with Jesus. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Look, Emily and I, we've been married uh, 11 years now. But if after we were married, on the next day, we didn't speak to each other, we didn't see each other, we lived in different houses, our paths never crossed, and as if, and what would happen? Well, our relationship would be over. It would fizzle. It would, we would drift apart into nothingness. And you see, it's the same for us in Christ. Just as we received him at the start, well, we need to continue in him, continue to be shaped by his word, not drifting away, but to continue in his word. And it helps us stick with Jesus. And we need to hear this, particularly because as we continue reading through this passage, we're going to see a number of ways that people try to help us peel us away from Jesus. We, we see some of these things that were happening in the time of Colossae in the church there, but also for us today. There, there are many things that help us want to keep away from him, to, to be distracted or deceived or, or led away. And the first thing we see there is to not be deceived. Have a look there at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Look, there is danger lurking about. We need to watch out we're not taken captive, that is, that we're not kidnapped. <clears throat> and what we'll notice throughout this passage, as, as Paul calls out, as he points to some of the wrong teaching that is, that is out there, he does that to preserve the faith, to, to preserve the truth. Do you see, he's not changing despite what the cultural pressures say, oh, we must change because of what the culture tells us to do today, like some within the church, not the, the church generally, try to get us to do, oh, we must change with the times. But that is not what Paul does. You see, Paul calls out those who are teaching contrary to God's word because he wants us to stick with Jesus and his word. You see, it's not intolerance if we want to stick with his word, but he's sticking to the word of truth because that helps us stick with Jesus. And so with the danger lurking about and those seeking to kidnap us, take us captive, the danger, you see that? It's hollow and deceptive philosophies. And while some will use, uh, use this particular verse to say that that oh, we shouldn't have anything to do with philosophy, uh, that is the, the love of, of wisdom and learning and those things, or oh, we shouldn't study philosophy, we shouldn't use our brains. No, 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 that, that is not what is on view here. Did you notice that? It says hollow, empty, deceptive philosophies. That is what is on view. And so they're the kind of things that may seem, they may appear enlightening, and offer wisdom and maturity and, and growth and success outside of God's word, but really just rely on human tradition, 
based on, on lies or stuff people have made up. And while the world around us will flock to them and they'll be really popular, do you notice that? They're, they're driven by the elemental spiritual forces of this world, verse 8. You see, they're driven by the evil one to distract people away from God and his word. And so while they may seem attractive uh, and reasonable and, and helpful uh, to the world around us, you see, Satan uses them to, to draw people away and to depend on themselves instead. And look, the danger might be for us as we struggle in life and start looking elsewhere outside of, of God and his word to find novel or, or trendy strategies to cope and buy books and attend conferences like just uh, like Tony Robbins, the, the life coach and motivational speaker. Uh, or people who offer viewpoints and techniques or, or practices that will help you improve your life to help address your, your human needs, decision-making, your emotional stability, offering something extra to give meaning to life. And while many will flock to hear their human wisdom, the reality is they can never address our, our biggest real problems in life our broken, rebellious, sinful hearts and the salvation that only Jesus provides. We are told to keep a lookout, watch out, be on guard. Don't be kidnapped by these hollow, deceptive philosophies of the world. And yet while there is danger and kidnappers on the lurk, we have safety in Christ. Let's stick with Jesus who gives us fullness. Have a look there at verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Christ, we have fullness. We have been united with Christ. What, be, what is his becomes ours. We are complete, full. And it contrasts, doesn't it? The, the hollow, empty, full contrasts. They promise more with their hollow, empty things, but we have it all. We are full. We lack nothing at all. Our cup is so full, it is overflowing. We have fullness but also, verse twelve. Have a look there. Uh, verse eleven. Sorry. Uh, let's continue. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You see. Jews, they were required to be circumcised. And it was, a, it was a sign that kind of showed that they were part of God's covenant people. But see, in Colossae, and, and for, for most of us here today, uh, we're Gentiles, non-Jews. And so the circumcision that's on view here isn't the one that's performed by human hands, the, the actual removal of the, the, uh, the foreskin. No, 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 this is a metaphorical circumcision that we received when we came to faith and put our trust in the Lord Jesus. 
And part of the, the circumcision on faith that is on view here is that we then put off. Do you see that? The, the whole self ruled by the flesh. That is, we put off living for the flesh, living for our sinful desires. And the circumcision, the, the putting off of the flesh, these are ways of speaking about uh, Christ's death. And so instead of having the foreskin removed, through Christ, with our whole self ruled by the flesh, our sin, our rebellion, our rejection of God, well, that has been removed too in the death of Jesus. You see, we are so connected with Jesus that as uh, we have been uh, buried with him in baptism, not, not into water, uh, but into his death as he died for our sins, so that when he died to sin, we die to sin with him in our flesh. But just like he died and we die with him, we too have been raised to life, to have life with him. You see, we have been filled in Christ and everything that is his is ours too. We receive the benefits of his life, his death and resurrection. But you see, there's more. Verse 13, have a look there. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. You see, we have been forgiven. You see, we were condemned. We did have this massive debt that we could not pay. But through Christ's death, you see, he's taken that away. And so those who condemn or criticize or judge us, you see, they've got nothing on us. They've got no dirt at all. And this is so helpful for us. Because when people put us down for our faith saying, oh, you're missing out, or when self-doubt creeps into our lives, when there's the, the silent whisper of, uh, of Satan in our hearts telling, you're not good enough, you're not able, and you're not equipped enough, you can't be a Christian for all that sin you've committed. Well, see, these words are amazingly helpful and comforting. They are so assuring. Our sin is forgiven. The debt has been paid. Satan's defeated. Jesus has triumphed over them all on the cross. We are full in Christ. We have it all. What is his is ours. Well, being reminded of our fullness in Christ, well, that helps us stick uh, with Jesus. I pick, particularly when we're told we're not good enough, not done enough, not whatever enough. Being armed with Christ and his word, well, it helps us refute those who tell us otherwise. You see, the best form of defense is offense. And so to, to so stick with Christ and to so know him and his word, we'll be able to discern those who judge us or try to disqualify us and seek to add things to Jesus as revealed by his word. And 
And it's kind of like cooking a meal for dinner. You spend ages getting it all ready. You've even got the, you've even milled up the herbs and spices and you've made it and it's delicious. It's going to be really, really good. It's come together lovely. It tastes delicious. But you think you just need a little bit more salt. So you, so you go to add a little bit more salt, but the lid's not on properly and heaps falls in. Way too much salt. You taste it and it's disgusting. Way too much salt. There is no redeeming this meal. If you put too much salt in it, it's ruined. You've got to chuck it out and start again. And it is just like that with the gospel. You see, if we try to add anything to it, experiences, rules, anything, it is saying that Christ is not enough. And in fact, you take the gospel away. And this is particularly helpful as we see three more uh, objections and judging and, and disqualifying things that people may say against us. And so we see here in verse 16, do not let anyone judge you. Have a look there. Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. There are, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. You see, here is a warning against legalism, making rules based on the Old Testament, and that if you keep these rules, well, then God will accept you. While some people will judge you for, I don't know, eating shellfish or, or pork or whatever, some rule from the Old Testament, um, they judge you because you don't follow all the Old Testament laws. And, and some people might even say that God will only accept you if you observe an Old Testament-style Sabbath. That is, you must have Saturday off. And if you don't have that Sabbath on Saturday, well, God will not accept you. But see, just like we saw as we, we read through the book of Exodus together and we came to the Ten Commandments, you see, the law is good and the Lord shows us God's character and what he is like, what he loves, what he hates. But you see, we are not bound to the Old Testament law like the Jews were. And, and these things, the Old Testament law, were like a shadow, a shadow of what was to come. They were pointing towards Jesus. They were fulfilled and done by Jesus. It would be like speaking to my shadow that's just here. Or maybe you can't say, but anyway, my shadow's just here. And instead of speaking to me, you speak to my shadow that's just down there. How insulting is that to me? You look into the ground over here, not even talking to me. Ludicrous. But to demand the keeping of the Old Testament law is to do exactly the same thing. It is to look at my shadow and to talk to that instead. You see, we have been fairly and justly condemned by the Old Testament, absolutely. But you see, through Christ... The debt has been paid. He has cancelled that debt on the cross. And so what a distraction. What a diversion to insist that we must go back to the Old Testament law and be ruled over it to focus on the shadow instead of the light we have in Christ. And so while we may be judged or condemned by others because we don't follow these rules, and while their judgment may tap into our insecurities or, or, or our inner guilt that we may have, and so it may cause us, oh, we must, 
follow suit and I must absolve from this guilt that I have. We need to remember what we saw earlier, that we have it all in Christ. We have the reality in Christ. So let's not get taken down or or guilty thinking we're missing out because others judge us. No, no, no. He's cancelled the debt. He's paid the price by nailing it to the cross. Well, some will want to judge us. Others will want to disqualify you, saying you need a, a higher, a fuller, a deeper experience of God. Have a look there at verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility or asceticism in other translations in the worship of angels disqualify you. Do not let anyone disqualify you. You see, these people say that Jesus isn't enough. You need to experience supernatural experiences, visions, encounters with angels. Instead, it's abstaining from things. And when you do, ooh, you will experience God more. And while they may go into great detail, uh, explaining all the things that they've seen, seeing angels, the visions, oh, God speaks to me in visions and dreams all the time. He tells me what I should do. Oh, it's so great. Oh, God doesn't do that for you. What? What do you mean? Oh, you mustn't be as spiritual as me. And while they'll go on like this, verse 18, have a look there, they go into great detail about what they've seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual minds. You see, they have become dangerously distracted by these things and think that they've got an experience that exceeds Jesus and that we're missing out because we stick to Jesus and his word. While they claim a a higher ground, we are more pious, they are critical even over Christians, but really they worship their experience rather than Christ. And the result, verse 19, they have lost connection with the head. That is Christ. You see, the body, the church, we are, we are connected with Christ as the head. As, as we grow, we grow connected to Christ. But they have lost connection with that. They have been cut off. And while they may want to decide who is in and out uh, based on their experience, well, they are wrong. It is God the Father who sits in heaven. He decides. He is the one who has qualified us, not based on our experience, but based on Christ and what he has done for us. We have fullness in Christ. And so to stick with Jesus and his word, when people try to disqualify you because of the fact you don't speak in tongues or have visions, or even try to disqualify you because of the type of baptism you might have had. Oh, you're only sprinkled, or you were fully immersed. No, no, we need to stick to Christ and his word because God alone qualifies us. And the last thing we'll see there is that people draw us away with false, fake wisdom. Have a look there at verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, Why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. We see here fake 
wisdom. Verse 23, it appears wise, but he's fake and belongs to the world. And while they claim that it can bring you closer to God, but it is from the world and is made up mere human commands and teaching. Verse 22. And while they'll say that abstaining from things, restricting things will bring you closer to God, no food, no sex, no alcohol, no whatever, and while they say it may deal with your sin, verse 23, they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. You see, these man-made rules might claim to help by restricting what goes in but you see, what? But stopping what goes in doesn't prevent us sinning. It's what Jesus tells us in Mark 7. It is what comes out of a person. It is what comes out of the heart that defiles them. It is evil that comes out of our heart, not what we put in. And so to prevent stuff going in, well, that, is, uh, that will not stop us sinning. And we've seen these kind of restrictions throughout uh, throughout uh, the church's history. And look, it, it continues today in, in various forms. But it might be hard to believe, but if you go back about uh, 50 years, uh, maybe more, uh, Christians were banned from drinking alcohol, from dancing, from going to the movies. It was said that doing these things was sinful. This is sin. However, our good Lord turned water into wine. And so it's really hard to imagine God banning, saying alcohol is sin. You see, the problem that we do see in Scripture isn't alcohol in itself, but it is over-drinking, it is drunkenness. You see, that is the sin that is highlighted. Not whether drinking alcohol is or isn't, or that drinking alcohol is a sin, or dancing, or, or movies, no, no, no. It was drunkenness that was the problem. And so people, different people over history will drink alcohol whether they want to drink or not, but I know people who will not drink alcohol. Not not because it's sinful. No, 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 they they are aware that it's uh, something that God has provided, but the reason they don't drink alcohol is because of the effect on society, in domestic violence, binge drinking, the violence that happens in, in late, late at night, it's because of those reasons and the effect of, of, of alcohol in our society that they will not drink. But it's not because of some rule, you must not do this. It's the same with maybe fasting or being told you can't eat meat on Friday or, or Good Friday. You see, these things aren't commanded in the Bible. They are man-made rules. Look, we may not be tempted to to, to be ruled by these things, but we must be careful that we don't make man-made rules, even if it is to, to help us and improve us and to trust God. And so I think we need to be careful, uh, particularly as people who love the Bible, that we don't make rules about reading the Bible and praying. As good as reading the Bible and praying is every day, and it is good for us, and I want to encourage you to do these things, because as we read the word, it helps us stick with Jesus and know him better and to live for him. But we can't make rules that bind us to this either. Like, if you do not read your Bible every day and if you do not pray, then how can you be a Christian? I'm not saying this, but they're the kind of rules that we could actually make and come up with. 
We may think that it will actually help us and motivate us. Well, it will help us read. But if we say you don't read and don't pray, well, every, you can't be a Christian. We're just imposing rules and imposing them on others, binding them to our rules and removing God's grace from us. We need to be aware that there are many different things that will draw us away from Christ. Being kidnapped, judged, disqualified. But we need to continue in Christ. Like we received him at the start, we are to continue to walk in him. We don't need more. We have it all in Christ. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. To do this, we do need God's help. And so let's, let's pray that uh, God will help us stick with Jesus as we first received him to continue to live and walk our lives in him. Let's, let's pray together. Father God Almighty, we give you abundant thanks that you have given us fullness in Christ. All that is his is ours. We have been uh, forgiven, uh, saved, uh, brought into relationship. We have a wonderful hope in heaven. These are wonderful truths. Father, as we first received these when we first came to faith, we do pray that you would so help us to continue in them, to continue to learn and grow from these things shaped by your word, that we may be able to Stand firm in Christ as we, as we face the onslaught of the evil one and those who seek to take us away. Father, do help us to continue to live in him as we await for him to return. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.